Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hey everyone, welcome to the Dishes and Dimes podcast presented by BasketballNews.com. I am this week's host, Yasmin Duala, and I'm joined by Sean Woodley of the very, very excellent Locked On po- Raptors podcast. Um, so, Sean, how are you, first of all? <laughs> I'm good, Yaz. I'm really good. Thanks for having me on the show. It's uh, I think it's my first time, which is very exciting. Okay, that's strange. I feel like you've been on before. I don't think so. I've just uh, been a, a, an onlooker from afar who's been very, very happy wow. with the okay. progress Extra of the special. show. Extra special <laughs> episode then. So it's fitting that we're discussing like a pretty important um, matchup, uh, Raptors Heat. And it was the um, fine, like the long awaited return of Kyle Lowry. So first of all, my first surprise was that we play the Heat four times a year. Is that normal? Oh, yeah. I mean, so I guess the way the schedule kind of breaks down is... Uh, you get all your divisional teams four times every year. And then it's just kind of like a rolling lottery of who you get three oh, or four okay. times between the other East teams. I think it's just kind of like, a, you know, luck of the schedulers draw, I suppose. And boy, oh boy, don't love playing the Heat four times because they yeah. are uh, extremely annoying. Even if last night I kind of found I, I it seemed like all like the good vibes beforehand with Kyle kind of cut into the meanness of the game. And yeah. <laughs> so we didn't quite see like the bloodbaths we saw back when they played them like three times in two weeks. And what was it? January, February. It was a little bit yeah. more of like yeah. a tame game, but uh, still c- can't stand the heat. Uh, they're, they're good and excellent for a reason, but boy, they are extremely annoying. Uh, so before we even discuss the matchup, because it was a really, it was a pretty interesting game, even though um, there was no Jimmy Butler, there was no OG Ananobi, but um, mm-hmm. I, I like watching the Heat Raptors play because um, I don't know, those stressful matchups, um, like I just like seeing the Raptors hit another gear, uh, especially sure. in the fourth quarter. Um, and they're all, and it's weirdly enough, it's like the teams I dislike watching like the most, the Celtics, the Heat, that actually get that out of them, <laughs> that yield yep, that yep. kind of play that I like to see. So I wish it was under those, those um, circumstances, but it tends to be the case. But before we even get into that, what was your reaction to the um, tribute video, the ceremony, all of that jazz? I think they did it. I think it was a I think it was a pretty classy affair. Um, mm-hmm. I, I knew I anticipated it would be a big deal. Um, and I think they handled it, handled it pretty well. Uh, my dad was just kind of annoyed because he's like, he's not a Raptor anymore. We don't need this. <laughs> he, he felt like it was just bad energy. <laughs> 
soon as Larry got traded, my dad was over it. And he's he's like a huge Larry fan, been watching the team like since they since Toronto got a team. But as soon as he was gone, he was like on to the next. So that he was so over the whole ceremony. Every time he touched every time Larry would touch the ball, the audience would go nuts and he'd just roll his eyes. <laughs> so, so with that being said, what was your reaction to it all? Uh, I mean, I think, uh, I, I, I certainly seem to enjoy it more than your dad did, but Hey, you know, I, I like the ruthless sports fan, uh, sort of identity as well. That's fun. You're not the on my Raptors team. Screw first. you. That's great. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think the Raptors really nailed it and sort of my, what I've been thinking about this, yes. And just kind of, you know, rethinking how things went with the way Lowry left the team. I'm just really happy that the Raptors nailed this goodbye to a star because like if you go back and look at some of the best players in franchise history, they don't exactly leave on good terms more often than not. Like DeMar gets blindsided in the trade. That was, you know, as ruthless as it comes, you know, we, we know what happened with Bosch where he, you know, kind of left after the team toiled for years with Brian Colangelo, just trying all these failed schemes to get better. Um, you know, Vince Carter, obviously Damon Stoudemire sat on the team before his rookie contract was even up and he was shipped off. And so it's really cool that they managed that relationship to the point where they did do have a fond goodbye and both sides are on wonderful terms. It seems Lowry seems as in love with the city of Toronto as the city of Toronto was in love with him. And that's like really all you can ask for from a team and a superstar player, like a player that's been a franchise icon. Like you don't want what you've seen in Minnesota with Kevin Garnett, for example, where he's just completely severed ties with the franchise because the ownership there uh, treated him poorly. You don't want to have bad blood and even like DeMar, you know, the Raptors fandom is always going to love DeMar DeRozan, but I don't know if DeMar is ever going to love like Masai and the franchise back the same way because of how things ended. I'm, you know, he loves the city. He loves the fan base. He loves the team and all of his teammates, but there's still that weirdness there that might never go away. Um, you know, same with all the other stars who, who've gone in the past, like, yeah, they kind of mended fences with Vince a little bit, but you know, that was a pretty bad sour thing for like 10 years after it happened. And you know, what we saw last night, the celebration that was Kyle Lowry kind of walking to center court, getting announced by Mark Strong, the, uh, you know, Strizzy, the guy who does the, the, the regular Raptors intros. He comes in with his typical from North Philly to your city thing. Like it just was it hit every note and it was really the culmination of a really good management of a star departure, which, you know, in today's NBA is a pretty rare thing to come by. So I, I'm really thrilled with that. And I, I'm just glad that last night kind of, you know, it was like the last thing the Raptors needed, right? They've won a championship. They've made the playoffs a million times. They're, they've become relevant. They've become a cultural touchstone, but they don't really have an unassailable franchise icon who, you know, forever is entwined with the team. And now they do because they, they manage it so well with Kyle. So that was kind of my, overarching takeaway from the night and, and you know the, the the tribute was wonderful they really really nailed every single element of it so um during the tribute video i don't know if it was the same for you but um i was kind of like taken aback by how how many larry moments i remember because i i think i could yeah. identify literally every clip <laughs> that they showed like <laughs> over the course of years which was like oh my goodness like i'm sure it'll be that way when you know players on this current roster that we've seen from you know their rookie years eventually uh retire or something but i mm-hmm. didn't get their own tribute videos but i was like why do i remember literally every single moment every single shot 
um, being shown right now, um, which was crazy. Uh, but for, for I, my question is, what is like your favorite, seemingly unimportant Larry Ooh. moment or interaction or um, just something about him? Even it can be as you know, kind of vague as you want, but it was it was just something that um, stands out for you over the course of his tenure. Seemingly unimportant. That is a, a big caveat here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we all know the big I moments. Mean, yeah, for sure. You know, I, I think for me, I mean, I always just loved his, you know, this is a bad answer. I'm going to go with something else. Uh, <laughs> just for me, you know, I always think back to that game against the Nets game seven uh, in 2014, right? Where, mm. You know, that very easily could have been the off ramp. You know, he has a really great season. He boosts up his value in a contract year and says, hey, you know what? Hey, that was fun, but I'm going to go play for the Heat or something like that and be the point guard for LeBron James. And I guess LeBron was going to the Cavs at that point. So maybe that wouldn't have worked. But either way, you know, I I think that was to me like everything could have flowed in a different way from, from that point, right? Like you lose in such upsetting fashion. All right. Is this team even good enough? Like, was that just all smoke and mirrors and it was a fun regular season, but like, come on, are they actually on the level of some of these East playoff teams? And instead they kept on building it and Kyle stuck around and, you know, there's no one moment in there, I suppose, right? Like it's all, you know, sort of a bunch of moments that lead to him sticking around and staying. There's not like one quote or something like that that stands out, but I just think the whole idea of like him being sold on Toronto by that last half of the season, which was really the first year that sold Raptors fans on the team being something other than a perennial disappointment You know, there's some nice symmetry to that. And it just, you know, that's where everything flows from, right? That's like the foundation and like nothing that comes after it really happens without that block by Paul Pierce at the end of end of game seven. And I think you can look back on that really fondly as sort of the beginning of something. And, you know, at the time, I remember people saying, hey, this could be the beginning of something like maybe this is kind of step one towards something bigger for this team. And you know, the fact that that was right and that it, you know, all ended up with a championship and the best franchise player that they've ever had. And, you know, the, the storied career that Lowry put together, I think is really special. And so I always, for, even though Paul Pierce is involved, (laughs) I, I always look back really (laughs) fondly on that end of game seven, because it really was the sort of like beginning of the hero's journey. If you want to get literary about it, like it was, uh, you know, that's a really sort of big flashpoint moment in Raptors history that I feel like maybe gets forgotten because of all the success that came later. Yeah. And what's interesting is that I, I you know, you mentioned that half, like that latter half of the season. Um, one thing about Kyle is that when he began with like the buy-in that he would demonstrate, he never mm-hmm. really let up. Like it just, yeah, it was really just over the course of years. And I feel like we're in a league today where, uh, buy-in is so it fluctuates so much for the top players where even over the course of a season it seems they're going with the motions or that they're, they're they're not currently sold on the team and I really like the I guess integrity that he showed where he felt as though perhaps he couldn't provide that buy-in anymore so he thought he'd better off leave be better off leaving rather mm-hmm. than sticking around as soon as he felt like he couldn't really provide that same Kyle that we've had over the course of years or felt that he needed to take a step back. 
So, you know, I feel like if the, if, you know, a lot of people say, I wish we still had Kyle on the team, but I wouldn't, I'm not sure he even felt that he would be the same Kyle on that team and that the role that he currently serves on the heat probably serves him better. Um, yeah. So, you know, moving on to the matchup um, that we, that we just watched. So heat versus Raptors. Uh, what was your takeaway from the game? I know that it was a bit of a compromised matchup with, um, you know, people out of there. Um, f- you know, for me, I feel like the the top guys on the team looked great to me. And it was an mm-hmm. issue of, <clears throat> excuse me, bench play that kind of um, uh, got dicey towards the end um, when those uh, rotations that would, um, uh, that would um, feature, a uh, few bench players kind of um, mm-hmm. losing leads, matching the scores and everything. Um, so what was, what was your takeaway from that matchup? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think I'm with you. It was kind of like a, a, a rehash of sort of the early season storyline for the team where you look at the starting five and it's like, Oh, all these guys were great except for Ken Birch in this case. But uh, it's like, Oh man, 29 from Pascal and Fred Scotty and Trent put up some, some, some numbers like what a, what a night. And then, there was just nothing in the way of bench production. You know, I think for me, this really was like a game where OG's value was put on full display. And, you know, I think there've been a lot of games like that where he's been out this season, but last night was especially so because like, you know, they've had some trouble this season with like slippery guards. I've found like that, you know, Trey Young gave him a lot of trouble. Uh, LaMelo ball has given them problems like guards who are quick. Maybe Fred Van Vliet can't. Yeah. 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 Make the bigs look a little bit slow. Make, you know, they even make like Scotty Barnes, right? Like look a little bit overexposed as a point of attack defender, right? Like that guy's getting blown by quite a bit by smaller players. And like he'll figure that out. I'm not worried about it by any means. He's, he's going to be a really good defender, but it's rookie stuff and it's, that's how it works. And OG has been this sort of like ringer they have, this sort of break glass in case of emergency type guy who, when things spiral out of control and maybe Fred's having a tough night with a particular defensive assignment at the point of attack, they can just be like, all right, OG, you're guarding Trey Young now. And then Trey Young gets nothing. (laughs) And it it is really like a wonderful Trump card to have that they did not have last night to throw on Tyler hero, who was, you know, boy, do I not like Tyler hero and his whole thing, but he is uh, a really effective on ball player. And he was getting to the basket quite a lot last night. And it just, you know, it was causing, the other thing that we saw from last night's game, which I think was the storyline, was that the defense really lost a lot of the integrity they found recently. Like they've been so good, just sort of on a string the last, you know, even month, right? Like they've climbed to the top 10 in defense. I think since the start of February, they're a top five defense, maybe since the start of January, like they've been that good. Um, and they've been so on a string and so sort of ready to fill the space when someone rotates to go and offer help. And they didn't do that with the same sort of vigor last night. And I would have to imagine part of that is OG not being there because he's just such a a key cog in all of that. He's like the most positionally sound defender they have. He's so good at the driving lanes when guys are trying to make attempts at the rim. You know, he's going to sort of punch balls free. He's going to do like the, the Fred thing, but bigger and with more arms. <laughs> and so not having him against hero and Lowry too, who had a really nice game like that, that to me was kind of the difference. And on the other side too, you know, you have Scotty Barnes taking nine threes in the game, which, Hey, (laughs) fire away, Scotty love to see it. But like in terms of maximizing the offense is probably not the best way to do it. And, you know, if five of those threes were going to OG, maybe we're talking about a different game. So 
Yeah, it, it, it's it's it was ultimately, I think, kind of a meaningless game in the grand scheme. You know, the standings are kind of taking shape and there's a little bit of clarity there. It seems like the Raptors are pretty safe from falling into the play in again just because the Cavs lost again. And I think the Cavs now with 36 losses, I would bet the Raptors don't even get to 36 losses like they only need a combo of two Raptors wins or Cavs losses to, to clinch a top six seed, which is kind of what the whole thing is about. So. You know, grand scheme, you know, as long as OG's okay, you know, when the playoffs get going in a week and a half or whenever it is, that's really what matters. But um, yeah, that that was my big takeaway last night. They just kind of lost the defensive identity they found recently. And OG not being there, I think, is a pretty obvious reason why. Yeah. Um, and then you couple that with like the insane shot making <laughs> towards the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, Max Struess, what are we doing here, man? I think, like, it was, Oladipo. <laughs> I think it was when he took like that 35 footer where I was just like yeah. kind of throwing my hands up like, okay, this is a scheduled loss. Like I can't really be upset at this. Um, <laughs> he's having his game of the season, um, but kudos to him. I love Victor Oladipo. So if he looks good, I'm, I'm happy, but, um, yeah. but yeah, you mentioned um, OG's absence. Um, it just goes to show he's he plays such a hyper specific role on the team that I feel like mm-hmm. is, yeah, it might not be the most quote unquote important role, but when he's not, present there's like a cascading effect on the entirety of the roster where guys are kind of out of position on both ends of the court you have pascal playing point of attack defense or or scotty when these guys are probably most effective you know playing help um and then you couple that with the uh increased um perimeter shooting that they got to provide which is not their forte like even if pascal was absent scotty would be pretty much doing what he usually does but perhaps at a higher usage because his yeah. role is not too different from Siakam's. So, um, you know, yeah, you you saw him taking nine threes, which is uncharacteristic and unideal <laughs> because um, <laughs> he's not the best shooter, even though he, um, you know, I feel like that's something that he can easily develop. His shot form looks great. Um, and he does create, uh, he does um, get a lot of space because um, the guys on the team are pretty, um, Pascal and Fred in particular have gotten really good at getting into the teeth of the defense and kicking it out effectively. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was something I noticed. Um, but onto, you mentioned the seating. Um, you probably have thought about this. I've been ruminating over this. <laughs> Some people say there's an, there's no ideal first round rap, uh, matchup for the Raptors, but I disagree. I think that, the Celtics are probably my most unideal in the sense that that is a first round matchup that I'm just not confident in them winning. Um, I feel like with every other first round matchup, um, the Raptors have a chance to really stretch it to seven games and perhaps pull out a win. But with the Celtics, it's just that they, they match up so well uh, with the Raptors. And I feel like they stress, the exact points in their offense and defense that the Raptors struggle with. Like, I feel like they just kind of poke at the Achilles heel of the team. And right. it, and it's interesting because Celtics fans feel the same way about, about the Raptors. Uh, so it's like <laughs> a mutual uh, dislike of the roster construction for both teams, because the Celtics are a team that also um, have a number of mobile um, sizable wings who mm-hmm. are, um, you know, who are switchable. They have um, just completely 
um, unlocked something with playing Marcus Smart at point guard. Marcus Smart is a, a player who has really, um, I, I don't know if he's just so familiar with the Raptors, but he's someone who just knows the <laughs> trigger points um, defensively, offensively. I, he's just such a great player. Um, to you, what is the the most ideal uh, first round matchup for you? Like, regardless of what is the most unideal, what is the most ideal to you? Yeah, I, I mean, not playing the Celtics would certainly be nice. Although I do think, like, without Robert Williams, there may be a little bit more gettable, um, just because yeah, the defense yeah. is slightly more prone to being dissected, I think. Ultimately, I think that series would be like a rock fight and you're going to look at like 87, 85 games and it's mostly going to come down to shot making. Uh, and I don't have any interest in watching that. So yeah, not the Celtics. You know, the Bucks. I am... I have a healthy respect for because of Giannis. I mean, Giannis is just ridiculous. He would be clearly the best player by a, a mile in a Raptors Bucks series. And I don't want no part of that either, frankly. Um, so then it comes down to the heat and the Sixers. It seems like the heat are pretty unlikely to be that matchup right now. They're, they're pretty entrenched in the one seed. They're two and a half games up, which is a few games to go. Um, you know, I, I think that's a matchup. The Raptors could win because I think the heat, half court offense is a little bit suspect and late in games. They've been really rough and the Raptors have been fantastic late in games, the late and close games as well. Um, you know, it, I think it's not a surprise to me that they've played the heat close this season, you know, two, two split in the season series, all games decided by less than five points. Like, I think that would be a long, long series Raptors heat, but <laughs> You know, the most likely first round matchup might be the Sixers. And I think that's actually the one I want the most. Um, Joel Embiid's great. I'm really scared of Joel Embiid and, and if he gets going. But I am I, like the feelings I have for Joel Embiid. I have the exact opposite about this version of James Harden. And <laughs> I just don't think he's the same player as he's been in the past. And the player he's been in the past has been prone to two for 11 games in the postseason. Like, it's never a good sign when you can be like, hey, remember that uh, two for 11 James Harden playoff game? And your response is, oh, which one? Uh, like, it's, <laughs> I think there's like three different instances where that's happened. You factor in that he's got a little bit less burst now. Uh, I can't remember who said it was this Zach Lowe, maybe on his podcast, pointed out that like Harden now is resorting to using the basketball as a weapon because he's too <laughs> slow to gain advantage on guys. So he has to just like move them out of the way with the basketball as like uh, an implement. And I feel like that's gettable in a postseason series. You also couple that with the fact that the Raptors, despite not having a traditional center and despite, you know, Embiid being Embiid, they have given Embiid more problems than any other team in the NBA over the last couple of seasons. Even last year in the bubble year where they had no centers, it was Aaron Baines doing his thing and nobody else. They gave Embiid a hell of a time and they have all season this year as well. He shoots like 36% against the Raptors over the last three years, like 50 or better against everybody else. Like it, there's a real stark drop off. And I think they could do a pretty good job of making Embiid's life miserable. And then after that, I just don't really care about any of the other players on the team. Tyrese Maxey is nice. He's very good. He's been like a third guy for them. But I feel like the Tyrese Maxey is a star thing has been a little bit overblown. Like, he's really good. But like, I don't know. Let's see a little bit more of a well-rounded game altogether before we start anointing him the third star in a big three. I think mm -hmm. Matisse Thibel is like... He's the dude with the best PR team in all of basketball. <laughs> like great, great, 
great, great, uh, like highlight defender, great block and threes. Wonderful. You know, who else was really good at blocking threes is Chris Boucher. And like, are we going to call Chris Boucher? Like one of the best defenders alive? Probably not. He's been really good this year, but like Thibel, when the Raptors last played them, couldn't stay in front of anybody. Like Siakam was just doing whatever he wanted against him. Uh, OG, I think OG play that game. I can't remember, but like th- they have had a pretty easy time with Matisse Thibel as like this shutdown wing defender. And then on offense, like he's a nothing, like he's probably not even playing late in close games. Tobias Harris, captain two for 13, like not worried about him at all. And you just kind of start looking around and it's like Embiid, a diminished version of Harden and like a couple of interesting role guys who I'm not sure you're trusting in a playoff series. And I just think the Raptors have more horses. And and so, yeah, like I think they could beat the Sixers in a series. I really do. Like I I just, I don't just like it for the matchup too. I like it for how juicy it is and like the drama that would come from it. If the Raptors were to beat the Sixers and the chaos that would ensue. Oh yeah. That would be a delight to me. Like Daryl Morey being sad. That works for me, man. (laughs) So yeah, I think Sixers are both the one that I'm rooting for to happen the most because of the entertainment, but also because I think it's the one they can win the the most comfortably. Like it's not going to be comfortable against anybody for sure. It's going, Going probably six or seven, regardless if the Raptors are not winning any of these series in five, but the Sixers feel eminently gettable and a team like the Raptors that's this well coached. There might not be a bigger coaching disparity in the league in a playoff series than the one between Nick Nurse and Doc Rivers in a hypothetical Raptors Sixers series. That feels like it could get ugly for Philly pretty quick. And, you know, that's the kind of team, too, where if you get up 1 0, 2 0 in Philadelphia to start, that could end pretty quickly and they could spiral out of control, uh, you know, pretty easily. I think, you know, as much as I love Embiid, I, I kind of think the rest of their team is a bit of a paper tiger. Yeah, I, I agree with um, every point. Um, I you, you mentioned players, but the matchup, I feel like the star matchup of that series would be Doc Rivers and Nick Nurse. <laughs> like, I feel like. Yeah, and it's that, not close. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel that like is that, like, unfair that matchup, to Doc Rivers. <laughs> that matchup, we need like stats. We need like, we need a review. We need like, I feel like that matchup there would is going to be hilarious. Just there's their coaching styles. Everything about them is just so at odds. You have, you have Doc Rivers yeah. who notoriously does not want his players or does not really prefer his players to practice. You have Nick Nurse where his, pra- <laughs> his players are literally breaking down in practice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, you- like it would be the Nurse versus Rivers matchup is akin to what it's like watching Pascal Siakam uh, go up against Lowry Markin in an ISO. Like, <laughs> it's, it's not going to end well yeah. for one side, and you know how that's going to end. Like, you know which way it's it's going wrong for, you know what I mean? So my final question kind of ties into this matchup discussion, but I feel like we always talk about dark horse candidates um, in the postseason, teams that um, no one's really looking for but can make a surprise appearance in the conference finals. So for mm-hmm. either conference, we we still have like the opposite of the dark horse, which I feel like is a top team that just completely falls apart in yeah. a way that we did not anticipate, like in in no way we anticipated. And I, I feel like it happens every year and no one talks about it, but there's always a team that just kind of falls apart what do you think that team is going to be this season? Ooh, like the big juicy blow up that like uh, causes all sorts of existential questions. Or you mean this is like what team is the 2017 or 18 Raptors is what you're asking? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Ooh, I mean, the Sixers are a pretty good candidate, I would say. I think the Celtics and Bucks are kind of safeguarded against any sort of huge calamity, honestly. Like, they might not make it to the conference finals because the East is tough, but, you know, I, I feel like they're going to continue to stay the course even if things go wrong. And the Heat probably, too, just because they're so invested. Although, I suppose there's a world in which the Nets get the eighth seed get the heat in the first round, just wax the heat. And we're starting to have like Jimmy Butler questions. Like is Jimmy Butler (laughs) on the worst contract in the NBA? Is he going to fight Eric Spolstra? Like that could get pretty dicey pretty quickly. Um, So yeah, after the Sixers, I would say maybe the heat. And that's even the thing with the Sixers though, is like they can't really get out of this either. Right. They can't, they can't like not pick up James Harden's off. I guess he has a player option, but they can't like, uh, you know, get out of the James Harden business this summer after all they just traded to get him. Um, yeah. So it could just set up a really awkward situation. Maybe things are so bad that like Joel Embiid asks for a trade in the summer. I don't know. Let's get weird. Let's get crazy. Uh, <laughs> it's, you know, the Heat and Sixers are kind of the two ones. If you go to the Western Conference, like it, it's kind of hard because all these teams are kind of ascendant. I guess like the jazz would be that, but they're the six seed right now. I don't know if anyone's expecting the jazz to do anything in the first round. They keep on losing in hilarious, embarrassing fashion. Um, but like, that's a team that certainly could get uh, blown up this summer if, if, if things don't go well. And, you know, then we start the whole, Hey, th- there's a superstar. Let's go get him on the Raptors thing. Please don't do that with Rudy Gobert though. We don't need that. That kind of vibes uh, killing what's in the room in Toronto. No, thanks. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a tough one. There's a lot of good teams and so many like upstart and young teams too, that I, I, I think it's going to be maybe a, a bit of a down year for complete meltdown and, and, you know, blow up situations, but the Sixers and Heat feel at least like potential cases of things go really wrong in the first round. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Sean. Um, that is of it course. for today's episode. Um, we will definitely have you back in. <laughs> I can't believe this was the first, <laughs> first interview. Um, but yeah, so um, we'll check in with you guys next week. Um, it should be the end of the season when the next episode drops. So we will provide you guys with the playoff um, rundown. It is so dense in the top six in the East. So we don't even have solidified standings in the least yet. Uh, it could look a lot different depending on how things pan out. Players are being sat. Uh, players are being rested. Um, I, I the the play in it. I haven't even gotten into the play, and I'm not discussing that. That that's a whole nother mess right now. Um, I do not know what it's going to look like. I, we haven't even mentioned the Nets and what they can possibly do with whoever they're matched up against in the top of the conference. But um, until next time, bye guys. <laughs>